Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. And today is going to be one of those discussions that uh, this podcast series allows us to have where rather than just giving a broad overview of a legal topic, which sometimes we do, um, today we're going to do a more concentrated review of a very specific element of a law. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And today, for the first time, I welcome Lavelle Law Attorney Roman Purchase to the podcast. Um, Roman and I are going to be discussing ESOP research, repurchase scenarios in a bankruptcy claim. That's a, that's a mouthful, but there's a lot of detail behind it. Roman's the right guy to share information with us. So first of all, uh, Roman, since it's your first time here, welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte. Thank you, Jim. It's, um, it's great to be with you. Looking forward to our discussion. I just very casually threw out the acronym ESOP a moment ago. Um, let's let's get serious here about it. Why don't you tell us exactly what that stands for? Yeah, so ESOP is an employee stock ownership plan. And when I just say that, it might not help as much. But um, that's it's basically some a type of a retirement plan, but it's unique in a way that you know, normally in a retirement plan, like uh, let's say 401k, you know, you sort of get the money from the employer and then invest it in whatever stock you want, bonds, whatever you want, um, mm-hmm. or you can have an IRA, let's say, right? Uh, but it, this this employee stock ownership plan, ESOP, allows you to basically invest that money only into the company you're employed by, so into your employer. Employer sets up this employee stock ownership plan, and through that plan, you sort of own your own employer, and eventually, you know, the ESOP can own a part of the company or the entire company, and sort of employees become, in a way, like shareholders of their own company. Interesting. And is it is that um, something that's optional, or if companies are set up this way, is every employee in the program and they sort of share equally in it? Yeah. So, I mean, first, generally, like like many other retirement plans, you know, the company has an option of doing it or not. But if you do it, you mm-hmm. have to do it in the compliance with the Internal Revenue Code and ERISA. And um, you know, one of the things about this plan is. Um, uh, it, it, actually, many others. It has to be non-discriminatory, meaning it has to be available to most of your employees. What you can do is give this, you know, the stock to you know most highly paid executive employees, and then not give it to you know ordinary uh, employees with, with lower salaries. You can't discriminate like that. There's a few exceptions, um, maybe foreigners or people who are under 21, uh, but otherwise every employee has to be eligible for this plan for it to qualify under the Irish um, and under the tax code and the RISA. All right, so let's talk about the specific area we want to look at today. Um, and normally, you, you know, you refer to this as a sort of a retirement plan, something like that. Um, so what happens when an employee does leave the company, whether it's by choice, by retirement, death, termination, uh, whatever it might be, what happens to the shares of, of that particular employee then? Yes. So and before you know, I dive into that, I want to just back off a little bit. So you're, you're right where mm-hmm. – in a very specific topic today, and we're going to discuss or purchase obligations and bankruptcy. 
Um, but you know, our firm does ESAP work generally, and um, ESAP is a great tool for somebody to if they're looking to sell their business. You know, especially baby boomers. You know, they're mm-hmm. you know, let's say you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, and you're still running your business. You don't have your kids to take over the business. You don't want to sell to private equity, who you know possibly, quite possibly, are going to tear the company apart. You care sure. about your own employees. This is the best place. Um, this is one of the best options to consider um, an ESOP, and so we definitely encourage people to come and talk to us about it. But you know, and we're we have wide um, you know expertise in this in this topic from setting up an ESOP to taking it through the you know life cycle, whatever issues might come up. And you know, one of the you know issues that could happen to this company is bankruptcy. We kind of will discuss, but backing off and now answering your question. So yeah, um, you're right. You know, um, generally employees, while you're employed with the company, you're sort of like a shareholder. You participate in this plan and you, you both work for the company and you kind of own it through this plan, not directly, but through this plan. Now, if you leave employment, you have, usually you're, you terminate your employment and you also sort of uh, terminate your participation in the plan and you've got to be paid out. Now, the ESOP has an option instead of paying you in cash right away, they have an option to spread that out over years. So you might end up, let's say you have a, you know, $100,000 worth of stock of the company when you leave. That might, be, it might have to be paid out over a certain amount of years depending on the regulations and, and, and the applicable law. Okay. And now we, we put the twist in here, as you've mentioned. Let's talk about the circumstance now where that company – finds itself in a bankruptcy situation. Unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of that right now because of our economic circumstance. Um, are current employees and shareholders in an, in an ESOP entitled to anything when a company enters bankruptcy then? Yeah, so, you know, that's one of the points where it's, you know, fairly unfortunate for you, right? So you're mm-hmm. still employed with the company, and yet, let's say the company goes down, so you face sort of a you know, potential termination of employment. But if you are still an employee at the time of bankruptcy, you are sort of like a shareholder of the company. And um, in, under the general bankruptcy laws, shareholders pretty much are lost in line to get anything, so normally you first pay the creditors or, or debt holders, and then equity holders or shareholders get the leftovers. And oftentimes, unfortunately, in bankruptcy, that means zero or close to zero. Mm-hmm. So um, in, that, in that respect, it's sort of unfortunate um, for, for, for an employee to be in that position. Okay, but now let's talk about, you mentioned a few minutes ago, if, if uh, an employee leaves, rather than getting a lump sum payment, they may be paid over time. Does that former employee who is holding a note of some sort to be paid over a period of time, are they treated like an employee then? Are they kind of also last in line? Yeah, so there's there's some case law over that, right? Um, you know, um, the creditors um, want as much money as possible, so they want to claim that, that former employees sort of still like a shareholder. Yes, they have a note, but they should be treated as shareholder and get nothing. And um, but then on the other hand, the employee's position is, you know, I'm no longer an employee of this company. I'm no longer a shareholder. I now have a, a promissory note. So let's say again, using our example from earlier, you have a hundred thousand uh, dollars worth of stock. You left the the company, and then six months later, they file for bankruptcy, and you basically have a hundred thousand um, dollar note out there that 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 they have to pay, and you're you know 
it's a it's a fair fair statement to say that you should be treated as a debt holder and so there's um it was interesting to see how courts would take up that question and the most recent case law that we've seen indicates that courts are sympathetic with those claims and they try and they as much as they can help employees they understand that this is sort of a retirement policy and so they want to give as much benefit as possible to employees and so they use um, ERISA policy reasons and 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 um to basically give you as as best status as you can so oftentimes employees find themselves being treated as debt holders as opposed to equity holders which means they come ahead of the shareholders and at least you know that there's there's higher chance of getting um at least a, a portion of of your payout and a couple of things that I want to follow up on as as we talk today to Lavelle law attorney Roman Purchase um, very detailed discussion on ESOP repurchase obligations in bankruptcy, um, and we're, we're kind of getting into as much detail as we can in our allotted time, but we're, we're never going to get to all of it, and I would suggest uh, for a really good in-depth review, visit LavelleLaw.com where you can read an article on this topic uh, co-authored by Roman. You can also read about his background and, and practice in areas such as business law, uh, M&A, taxes. Uh, check everything out on his attorney profile page. Um, sharing great information with us today, and, and with the time we have left here, just can you go back for a minute, there, Roman? You, you mentioned being a debt holder in bankruptcy. Can you just give us kind of a quick definition of exactly what that means? Yeah. So basically, as a debt holder, as opposed to equity holder, um, you're you're considered as sort of like an unrelated creditor, and and that means you have a, a claim for the assets of the bank uh, of the of um, of the debtor's estate ahead of equity holders. Now, so this is presuming the company goes into liquidation, right? You know, if the company mm-hmm. sort of, uh, you know, turns around, there's some sort of restructuring, you know, still you maintain those rights and you still have that priority and you have a say in, you know, you have a voice in terms of what's going to happen to the company. But if there's no hope and the company is just being liquidated, you you basically get a priority. You might not get all of your $100,000 back, but you, you know, you can get depending on how many creditors are ahead of you, and I think you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later, who could be ahead of you. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but assuming th- there aren't too many ahead of you, then you, you basically share equally with all other uh, creditors out there, like vendors or, or customers, whoever has a claim um, against the company, you're sort of um, in a position r- right there to share with them. And the the article I mentioned um, that you co-authored, it it covered three employees from a company um, that had entered bankruptcy, and it was interesting to read how the court handled each of them. Um, I'd love to hear you talk about that ruling just a little, but also what does that case say to banks who might be the ones holding or doing the refinancing on, on purchase obligations? Yeah, well, a lot that case specifically doesn't, speak to banks, right? Um, there's there's not a, a, a specific line that I can, can point out and say banks read this. Um, however, you know, we, we as attorneys, when we read cases, we also read what, what, it, what, what it does not say, and it's sometimes mm-hmm. as important as, as what it actually says. And I think what's, um, what seems to be clear from this case law, you know, if you're a bank, if you're a secured creditor, right, so normally banks come in, um, into an ESOP transaction very early when you set up the ESOP, and they finance the whole transaction. So they, you know, there's usually a large amount of debt 
taken and it's secured by the assets of the company and the bank wants to make sure they get absolute priority just in case something happens. So, um, you know, from bank's perspective, you're worried, wait, you know, is it possible that certain employees who have, um, you know, repurchase obligations due to them, can they come ahead of you as a secured creditor and take some of the share of the money that you expect to get as a senior, the most senior creditor? And so, Based on the case law we have seen, you know, and we had some banks reach out to us. By the way, we represent banks as well um, in ESOP, so we sort of, you know, represent, we can represent the company, we can represent the bank, the trustee, um, and individual employees if need be. But, you know, banks have been concerned, okay, they don't want to lose their priority rights. And I think they're, you know, it's fair for them to, you know, when they come in, you know, because if the bank didn't finance the transaction, the whole ESOP transaction wouldn't have happened to start with. So okay. they mm -hmm. want to make sure they secure their senior rights. And so far, we haven't any, seen any case law that would threaten the bank's position. Um, uh, although courts are willing to help out employees who have been terminated and have those large notes payable to them, they're trying to move them ahead of the line as much as they can within the parameters of the law but they're not willing to go as far as, uh, as infringing on the rights of the senior lenders or, or banks, basically, who have a, 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 a priority as a secured creditor, as a senior secured creditor. So um, in that respect, kind of the banks can be, uh, looks like they, they're pretty safe so far. Okay, we've got just about a minute left or so, Roman. I'm enjoying the uh, conversation quite a bit, but a lot more to cover. Um, and what's the key takeaway if someone listens to our discussion today regarding ESOP? Um, one or two things that they should know and have uh, front of mind uh, as they, uh, you know, either enter into or think about an ESOP. Yeah, so I, I would say, you know, if you're an employee of a company that has an ESOP um, and your company is facing bankruptcy, you know, um, feel free to give us a call and talk about your rights. See if there is a way for you to sort of, uh, you know, make make your investments safer as much as possible because as you can see there is there's potential for you uh, to be better off and worse off and we're happy to help also if you're a bank and um, you're you know you finance an ESOP transaction and you're sort of worried about what's going on or you're thinking about financing transaction and worried what could happen down the road you know give us a call and we'll happy we'll be happy to walk you through the most recent uh, case law and regulations available to us and provide our expertise well, that phone call can be made at 847-705-7555, or always, as I suggest, uh, visit lavellelaw.com. I want to thank Roman for joining us today. Great to have him along and look forward to more conversations with him in the months ahead. Very enjoyable having him on today. Always enjoy having all of you listen. We'll look forward to future conversations. Thanks for being a part of it.